Hi, my name is Bethany Tolley, and this is my blog, the Doctrine Lady blog. If you would like to read the text for any of my podcasts, please visit my website, thedoctrinelady.blog. And now for today's podcast. Blanket repentance and mental self-harm. We all do it from time to time. I did it just the other evening. I got on my knees and I did what one of my stepdaughters calls blanket repentance. Blanket repentance. It sounds nice. It sounds like it should be warm and fuzzy and cover us, but that's not what it is. It's ugly and mean and self-harming, faithless and ungraceful, just like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a horrible person. I'm a terrible mess, and I'm sorry that I can't ever get it right. I'm so stupid. I just keep messing up over and over and over, and I'm useless. I hate everything about myself. I hate, hate, hate today, and I hate yesterday, and I hate tomorrow, and I'm not even living it yet. I hate that I'm so imperfect, that I fail you again and again. I hate that I failed myself and all the people who depend on me. I hate that I failed my family. The grace of Jesus Christ just can't be meant for me because I take it for granted. I mean, if I really appreciated it, I'd get, this, I'd get these things right. I should be able to get things right. But I screw up so often that I'll never get it right ever. I'm never going to get this. Why don't you just put me out of my misery and kill me off, huh? I'm so tired of living. I'm so tired of being me. Please, please forgive me and help me be better if there's any hope for me. Then, if we haven't already soaked the blanket and snotted up at least 16 tissues and pounded on something several times, we usually manage to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. When I was growing up, physical self-harm was a thing, but it was, it was so alien. It may not have been as rare as I thought it was, but it was certainly rarer than it is today. Back then, it was for, you know, like crazy people that I didn't know. It was for the suicidal, which occasionally popped up in the local newspaper as having a failed suicide attempt, and sometimes a successful one. There weren't social media groups at all yet, let alone social media groups dedicated to self-harm, which we have today. They're dedicated to cutting oneself and punishing oneself as a person for being a human being, for being flawed, and for making mistakes. Today, not only is physical self-harm prevalent, but mental self-harm. And I would venture to say that mental self-harm is even more damaging than physical self-harm. And that physical self-harm begins and grows from mental self-harm. Mental self-harm, this idea of throwing a blanket of negativity over everything we do, of seeing only the worst about everything that we are, is not okay. Okay. Nor does it have anything to do with repentance and grace. Mental self-harm, or what I'm going to call blanket repentance, is not what God asks for when he asks for godly sorrow, not even close. We learn in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 11, Alma 5, 12 to 15, and Mosiah 5, 1 to 5. Godly sorrow is a change of heart. It's a desire to do God's will genuinely and sincerely instead of going our own way. It's exercising faith and embracing the covenant path. So look at this beautiful example of godly sorrow in Mosiah 5, 2-5. 
And they all cried with one voice, saying, Yea, we believe all the words which thou hast spoken unto us. And also we know of their surety and truth because of the Spirit of the Lord omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us, or in our hearts, that we have no more disposition to do evil but to do good continually. And we ourselves also, through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of His Spirit, have had great views of that which is to come. And were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things. And it is the faith which we have had on the things which our King has spoken unto us that has brought us to this great knowledge, whereby we do rejoice with such exceedingly great joy. And we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God to do His will and to be obedient to His commandments in all things that He shall command us all the remainder of our days. Did you hear those words? Great views, great knowledge, that which is to come. We do rejoice with such exceedingly great joy. It was positive. It was hopeful. Now, if you are very talented and trained in mental and spiritual self-harm, you might say in response to this, yeah, but I, but I felt that way. I, I wanted to keep the commandments. I still do, but I keep screwing up. So me making covenants is useless. It really is. I've been at this for years and years, etc. Did you notice, however, that this argument didn't mention joy, hope, faith, knowledge? Where is your joy? There are all sorts of reasons we get down on ourselves. We are different than others socially, mentally, physically, or even spiritually. We process logic differently. We believe differently. We keep doing things that we know aren't good or right or that will lead to success, even though we know better. We really do. Or we keep doing really good things and still things don't seem to be working out. And so we decide, well, the problem must be us. We have addictions and psychological needs that are real and hungry and which aren't being met. And we keep meeting them in unhealthy ways. We have survived our lives by saying it could be worse and have let things in our minds get worse and worse and have convinced ourselves that we aren't worthy of better, that there is always someone who has it worse. And so we aren't meant to have it better than them or to even try. I could go on and on. Often it's the most spiritual and pious and intelligent that suffer from this mental self-harm ailment. The error in them is that they think they are close to being perfect and so beat themselves up mentally and spiritually because they keep failing at arriving when they are just so close. But they aren't being they aren't close to being perfect. None of us are. I hear it time and again. I've said it to myself time and again. I should be better. Well, of course you should be, but you aren't. And let me tell you why. You are mortal. And even more important, guess who made you mortal? In Ether 1227, we learn very clearly that God made us mortal. He gave us weakness. So he made you mortal. He knew you would mess up again and again and again, and that you might not ever get it right in this life. So here's the question. So why did he send me to this life then if he knew I would screw it up? So there are those words again. Screw it up. 
Those are self-harm words. They are inaccurate. They indicate a final result. Thus, they are a lie. But that's not surprising since those words came from Satan and he's a liar. So let's get back to the question. Why did God send you here to this life and make you weak and mortal on purpose? Because it matters that you choose to give him your heart on purpose, deliberately, even if the rest of you pulls in the other direction. Mosiah 3.19 So listen, if he has your heart and you give it willingly with hope and faith in him, if you make covenants with him because your heart wants to, then here is the beautiful thing. That willingness... That giving of your heart with your power of choice gives him the power to make the changes that you can't. So cutting yourself isn't going to help you make changes. Beating yourself up isn't going to help you make changes. Giving your heart to God so that he has the power, you give him the power through your choice to make changes. He's the one that makes the changes. So if you give your heart to him, you can't fail. That is the baptism of fire and of the spirit. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It isn't self-mutilation and harm, mental or otherwise. You can't ever suffer enough to fix yourself. The good news is that his redemption will take place despite your weakness and mortality if you give him your heart. Ta-da! Joy! God made you mortal and allowed you to have mortal weakness and spiritual and psychological weakness. Why? Because his strength cannot work in you unless you are weak. His strength, we learn in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to read that scripture. And he said unto me, this is Paul speaking, Paul is saying that God said unto him, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul answers, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul glories in his weakness. Have you ever got on your knees and gloried in your rotten day? Because that meant that Christ could work with you? It is my own personal experience that the primary motivation for self-harm, mental or otherwise, is the lie of self-motivation. The adversary tells me that if I punish myself mercilessly and destroy myself in every possible way, that it will motivate me to be better or make me better somehow. Satan tells me, my self-harm is an offering to God. He tells me that suffering leads to repentance and change. But wait a minute. Satan has no interest in my repentance. His interest is in my total destruction. Apologizing for being alive, a useless piece of, mm, has no place in the motivation to be better or in the repentance of sin. From my personal experience, when I beat myself up with blanket repentance and try to apologize to God for being flawed and mortal and sinful and weak because I should be better, I get nowhere. 
I wander around hating myself, on edge, depressed, miserable, over-apologizing to everyone with a short temper. Interestingly, all the signs of Satan's influence. We learn that in Galatians 5, 20-22. I lose patience, and I have no grace for others, and I bring a dark cloud of adversarial contention into my home and my life. This is not God's plan for repentance. This is no more repentance than wearing sackcloth and ashes and making a show of our misery while we fast is fasting. In Isaiah 58, we learn, Is it such a fast as I have chosen? A day for man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? And then later on, he says, No, is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness? To undo, undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free that you break every yoke? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Those are in Isaiah 58, 5 through 8. In Galatians 5.22, we read, The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Note that one, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Repentance is not about self-harm. Repentance breeds hope and joy, as we saw in Mosiah 5. Repentance gives us hope. It brings in light and exceedingly great joy. Only the adversary breeds misery. So let's talk about specific intentional repentance, which is the opposite of the mental self-harm blanket repentance. So how do we repent when we've screwed up for the zillionth time and we're all there already? We cast off Satan's incorrect and useless motivation tactics because nothing good can come from him. And we embrace grace. We do not waste grace through self-harm, both mental and physical. I mean, look, our body is his. It's not our body. He bought it. We learn in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20-ish. We bu- he bought it. He bought our body through his everlasting, incredible atonement. He did that so he could raise it up again perfect. So it's on loan. Our self-will is ours. Our agency is ours. But our body is actually not ours. It's his. So we don't destroy ourselves in punishment. Instead, we look up. We fill our hearts with love and gratitude for a God who made us mortal so that his strength could be fulfilled in us. We let our disappointment in ourselves lead us to our knees Not in blanket self-harm. We let our disappointment in ourselves lead us to our knees in love and gratitude. We let our heart's desire to be better, to raise us up in joy and hope. Because of him, we are able and we can keep going. Not with misery, but with faith and hope and charity. So, I'm going to quote some verses in Moroni 7. Um, it says in the Book of Mormon, and I'm going to add in some of my own words for clarity. But you can go to Moroni 7, um, verses 12 to 41, and pick out what's mine and what's not. Okay, here we go. Wherefore, all things which are good cometh of God, and that which is of evil cometh of the devil. And these are my own words. 
such as self-destruction through mental mental and physical self-harm. For the devil is an enemy unto God and fighteth, fighteth against him continually and inviteth and enticeth to sin and to do that which is evil continually. But behold, that which is of God inviteth and enticeth to do good continually. Wherefore, everything which inviteth and enticeth to do good and to love God and to serve him is inspired of God. So if you feel like you're so terrible, you should stop serving God and give up. That idea is not coming from God because it's not good. Wherefore, take heed, my beloved brethren, that you do not judge that which is evil, such as mental self-harm, to be of God or that which is of good and of God, mercy, hope, faith, grace, looking up with hope and not despair, to be of the devil. For no man can be saved according to the words of Christ, save they shall have faith in his name. You can't just know about the atonement. You have to actually believe in it. You have to have faith in it. And what is it that you shall hope for? Behold, I say unto you that you shall have hope through the atonement of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection to be raised unto life eternal. And this because of your faith in him, according to the promise. So that scripture's done. Notice, notice this. He doesn't say that you hope to be raised unto life eternal because of your perfection in him or because of your becoming immortal or because of your improving and getting better on your own power, timeline, or expectations. No, it says you will be raised up because of your faith in him, giving your heart to him and trying. God's promise is that if we covenant with him and try and keep trying, no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how different our brain's processing is from other people's, or no matter how many times we make the same mistake, he will save and exalt us. This Now, this is really important. So I know I talk a lot, but I really want you to listen to this. Messing up isn't the measure of our heart. Messing up isn't the measure of your righteousness or your worth. Falling short isn't how God measures you. The measure of who you are is if you will not quit. If you will get back up with joy and faith in his promise that you will be raised unto life eternal and this because of your faith. God made you mortal for a purpose. His strength is made perfect in your weakness when you give him your heart. He has provided sufficient grace for you through the atonement of Jesus Christ so that you can have joy in repentance, not misery in repentance, not self-mutilation and self-harm mentally and physically in repentance, so that you can have joy in repentance. You can walk around with joy and peace that as long as your heart is his, that you are the salt of the earth, a light to the world, despite your mortality. You guys, how cool is that? It's his fault you're mortal and he's taking care of it. Done. Stop apologizing and beating yourself up for being mortal and flawed and weak. Look up. Okay, so let's quickly talk about blanket repentance. If we go to the Lord and tell him we're sorry for everything, it will be difficult, no, actually impossible, for us to get peaceful, hopeful guidance on how to improve. 
We can't gesture to all of ourselves and say, fix this. There's a nod there to how to train your dragon, by the way. We can't improve everything all at once. We can give God our heart, but we can't make any strides if we are trying to do it all, all at once. God, the scriptures teach us very specifically, works line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how he works with you and I. We can't expect ourselves to work better than God, can we? If we desire to repent, we must first be able to repent. And there are some things we can't repent for. We can't repent for being mortal. We can't repent for being flawed. We can't repent for having weaknesses and mortal ailments or struggles that are a part of our human condition. We can't repent for having a weak constitution and getting sick all the time. We can't repent for homosexual tendencies. We can't repent for struggling with anxiety or depression, etc., etc. What do we do then with all these weaknesses and struggles that often lead us to sin? We own them. We say, I am weak. Then we go to the Lord, not with our list of weaknesses, but with our discouragement. Then we say something more or less like the following. This is sort of formulaic. Father, as you have made me, so am I mortal and flawed. But you have said that you have given us weakness that we may be humble. So here I am. Currently, my weakness with fill in the blank is really giving me trouble. What can I do to begin to turn this one specific weakness into a strength? How can I improve this one specific sin that I often commit because of my weakness? Teach me how to turn this one aspect of my life toward thee. Now you notice there in that prayer, there was no take away the weakness. It was, I have this weakness. I need to make it a strength. And there's this one thing I keep doing because of my weakness. How do I fix that? Not the weakness. How do I fix what I often do because of it? So note that there's no groveling, no mental self-harm. There is ownership of weakness, but no need for self-deprecation and moaning and groaning dramatically on the floor. There's hope and faith that God can help you begin, and I stress begin, to understand how to turn this one action or sin which often ails you because of your weakness into a strength. Sins are where we sin against God because of our weakness. We don't repent for the weakness, we repent for the sin. So here's another example. Father, I yelled and screamed at my family today. They didn't deserve it. I was really tired and overwhelmed and feeling burdened because of my mortal condition. Forgive me, please, for yelling and screaming and increase my capacity for patience and love. Help me to not react so much and to find the strength and mental capacity to choose my actions more deliberately. Note the specificity of the repentance. There was no mental self-harm regarding mortal weakness. There was no, I screwed up the whole day, I'm a total loss. There was, that was not there. There was owning of the feelings that came from being mortal, and there was owning the sinful response to those feelings. The actions can be repented of, but not necessarily the feelings. We can feel angry, but we can't repent for feeling angry. angry anger is natural and normal. But we can repent of engendering and feeding and acting on angry feelings. Do you see the difference? The feelings are natural and mortal, part of who we are and who God made us. It is the actions we choose to embrace because of the feelings that we can repent of. This is critical to understand. Blanket repentance, mental self-harm, is faithless 
It engenders more self-harm, both mental and physical, and most importantly, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Specific repentance is faithful and leads to hope, joy, peace, and personal progression. We choose or are prompted by the Spirit to focus on something specific we want to improve at. We don't say, fix me. We say, there is this one thing I keep doing because I have weakness. Help me fix that. Now, as I pondered this blog post, I wrote two poems. One is the mental self-harm and blanket repentance viewpoint. The other poem is its opposite. It's faithful, hopeful, and specific repentance viewpoint, but it's realistic. Um, I hope they will make this blog post clear. Feel free to share them. And I'm going to close this podcast by reciting both of these poems. Poem number one, Self-Harm Blanket. It's been a long day, it has. I collapse inside my skin. I'm ready to give in, I swear. My self-patience is terribly thin. I forgot to get up on time. I overlooked that important note. I didn't succeed at kindness. I jumped in the popular boat. I missed my afternoon prayer. I failed to fulfill that promise. I skipped one meal or more. For one hour, a doubting Thomas. Why can't I ever succeed? Why can't I get anything right? One step, then three steps back. On the earth, I am a blight. How dare I chance to look up to dream of something better? I'm a useless bag of bones. Time to write that suicide letter. This is how I will rise and live, by taking a knife to my throat. I'll repent in sackcloth and ashes, harming myself by rote. God must be sorry he made me. He must be so frustrated, inclined, to suffer because I am so worthless. By self-harm, him I will bind. I'll make myself be better. I'll do it with blood and tears. I haven't tried love or kindness because those things I fear. If I love, I'll just get worse. Put away the knife? Eh, Not for me. If I'm kind, I'll lean on pride. Straight to hell, if I let me be. To self-forgive is a terrible trap. To own talent and arrogant feet. To be happy? Horribly forbidden. No fish, it's a stone for me. To have hope? That's not the plan. Not supposed to have any joy. It's a lie the happy ones tell me. While their lives, they do enjoy. They really don't understand. There's no one alive like me. No one so worthless and rotten. No one so terribly unclean. The only way to repent is to butcher my soul to the core. Cleanse the inside with filthy language. So the outside is nothing but gore. Even then, I'm really not worthy. Grace is far beyond my reach. Let me find another weapon and destroy what's left of me. I'm all messed up, therefore lost. That's what I hear a voice tell me. It says God used spiritual slaying to save someone like me. From death to resurrection, that's how I'll rise once more. Even then, I'll still be unworthy to open the celestial door.
The next one is called the Grace Blanket. It's been a long day, it has. I collapse inside my skin. I'm ready to give in, I swear. My self-patience is terribly thin. I was unable to get up on time, so I walked right past that note. I was in survival mode, too tired to live by rote. I got gas instead of praying, called and canceled that last-minute meeting. Food was too low on my list, it seems. My priorities were fleeting. I wished I had succeeded today. I wished I'd gotten more things right. One step, then three steps back. But I'll never give up the fight. God has told me to turn to him, to dream of something better. I'm the purpose of all his creations. Time to write that thank you letter. This is how I will rise and live, through the grace God has offered. I'll turn to him the best I can. He always accepts what I proffer. God really, really loves me. Because of that, he was so inclined to suffer because I'm so priceless. By repentance, him I'll bind. I'll try each day to be better. I'll do it with faith and love. There's no other pathway I know now to the blessings from God above. When I love, I feel so much better. When I'm kind, I lean on grace. When I'm specific, he gives me purpose. Straight to heaven and face to face. To self-forgive is a necessary boon. To own talent, a critical fee. To be happy, God's whole purpose. No stone, it's a fish for me. To have hope, the entire plan. It's all about progress and joy. It's the truth the Spirit tells me. Men are that they might have joy. I have come to internalize that a child of God am I, someone so priceless and precious, I'm not here to just survive. The only way to repent is to search my soul to the core, cleanse the inside with grace because God remembers sin no more. Even then, I'm really not perfect, but I'm sanctified, you see. Christ fights my battles And I know he stands right next to me. I'm all messed up, therefore saved. That's what God is telling me. He uses my mortal weakness to save me and help me see. From weak to strong through his power. That's how I'll rise once more. His grace is perfectly sufficient to open the celestial door. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to read more of the things that I blog about, please visit my website, thedoctrinelady.blog, and I'll see you there.